Thank you. I've been looking forward to this moment uh, for some time now. I love being with your community. Uh, I just feel at home here. You've, you've uh, made us feel at home, and uh, I love your pastors and so many of you that I've met. Uh, I got up early this morning, and I was driving and watching the sun come up uh, against the mountains. This is really awesome. <laughs> I, I, I hope you don't get used to this. Um, I hope that every time you see them, something leaps in you that this is amazing. We don't have those in Tulsa. Um, now, we have some lovely things in Tulsa, but we don't have those. And talk about uh, how majestic and amazing God is. Um, just look at that for a few minutes. So um, now, as guests, we get to kind of do whatever we want to do. Um, uh, Pastor Jonathan, I've heard so much about his Ruth series, and and uh, I would just mess it up if I continued on Ruth, and I would let you down, and it would be a disappointment and everything. So I'm going to go a different direction uh, today. I'm going to start in the beginning uh, in Genesis. Um, so first of all, I want to look at Genesis 1. It says, Then God said, Let us make humankind in our image, according to our likeness. So God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. Another reason I love being in communities that I don't get a chance to be around very often is that I anticipate experiencing a part of God that I've not yet seen. Every single one of you, do you know this? You're made in the image of God, and yet you're unique. There's not any two of you that are exactly the same. You're little, what we call icons, little reflections of God. And so every time I'm talking to somebody in a setting like this, I listen. I, I look for, what is it about God that I've never experienced before that's in you? So I hope you know that, how, how unique you are. There's, there's never been a you before, and there's never going to be another one like you. You have a unique thumbprint, a unique eye impression. Isn't that amazing that every single person has made that uniquely different? And so the goal in our life, or the way that God desires for us to live is to be fully alive in who we are. You need to be you. The world needs you. They need to see a part of God they've never seen before by you being fully alive. Irenaeus, one of these old guys, old dead guys, that's a father, <laughs> one of the fathers of the church in the second century, talk about, talks about the, um, that the, uh, a man fully alive a man fully alive is the wonder of God. It's, it's the grace of God. It's, it's the grandeur of God in the world. Is you being fully alive. The challenge is, how do we be fully alive? Because we all have had some dings in the armor, haven't we? We've had some things that come against us. We could, we could call these wounds. And what tends to happen is we get wounded in different ways. And then we develop a certain way of living to deal or manage with that brokenness because we are what is considered a cracked icon or a broken icon. We're, we're, we're limited. We don't reflect his nature perfectly well because of some wounds that we have experienced and, and our adaptation to those wounds. Now, some of you, your wounds are really obvious. You may have had a an alcoholic parent that you spent a lifetime growing up trying to please, and they were just not pleasable. 
And you've spent now another part of life trying to please people, to try to get them to love you in a way that you feel secure. For some, you've felt abandoned by key people in your life that just were not capable of being present with you and giving you what you needed in, in, your, in your life as you, as you were formed. And so you hesitate even connecting with people because you don't want to be let down. You don't want to be abandoned again. Some of you, there's been significant abuse that you've been treated in a way that's been less than human. You've, been, you've not been honored and not been valued and you're struggling feeling even worthy at all. Some of you were raised in, in circumstances where you were controlled um, or experienced even adult relationships where you were controlled, and now you're trying to exert control um, to try to get what it is that you need in your life. For others, it's more subtle. Some, some of you have experienced some losses or deaths in life that are premature, and you're reeling with that reality. My bruise is not as significant. I, I was raised in a family, really wonderful people. Um, but they were worker bees. Um, and I've struggled in my life not getting my value from being the hardest worker on the team and, and the last person to leave the office. Uh, I've struggled with my value coming from what I do instead of who I am, um, just because of the way that I was formed. And so all of us experiencing some of these kinds of brokenness in our life, and yet how do we become fully alive. So I've got a little chart here that I want to suggest as a way to look at this. Um, well, you're going to have to have really good eyes to, to, to read that. Some of you young folks can read that. Um, if you look up in the right quadrant, it, it says the original self. This is kind of who we were created in the very beginning. Kind of the pureness of this nature of God, that we this, this image of God that we reflected. That's where we all started out. And then we have this kind of original wound. Some would call it a paradise lost where we found out that being who we are naturally is not acceptable to people. They don't like us being that way. And so we then learned to adapt, to try to get people to accept us. We tried to then live in a way that we think other people want us to live. Uh, Thomas Merton calls this a time where our false self develops, that word um, you could use it as, even as a coping self, for we, uh, which kind of moves us into the third quadrant there where um, we have this part of us that we don't feel fully whole, and so we cope with that. And we've developed certain strategies and certain ways of living to try to manage that brokenness. And yet, God wants us to be fully alive. He wants us to be fully who we are. He knows who he's designed us to be. And so he wants us to move towards transformation, which is back into that original image. The challenge is, you see this little squiggly line here with the arrows, is that we have moments. I don't know about you, but worship this morning was just like, we just kept going on, Pastor. It's just <laughs> too beautiful. Um, I don't know about you, but there was something that I felt a little bit transformed in that moment. I felt a little bit like from the top of my head to the soles of my feet, something was some energy was there, right? I, mean, I could feel God forming something in me. We have these moments, and yet what tends to happen is we have a moment like that, and then we slip back down below the line. We find out that, oh my gosh, some of those ways of being again, uh, maybe I need to adopt those. 
again. It's, you know, always fascinated with the children of Israel that are out and out freedom, out of bondage, uh, and in the desert, and they're struggling with food, and they're going, well, at least back in Egypt we had food, <laughs> so maybe we should go back in bondage again. So oftentimes we slip back, and we kind of move forward and slip back and move forward and slip back. And, and the idea is that we would love for, to get up into this full sense of transformation and for God to blow up the bridge <laughs> where we can't go back anymore, right? I mean, would you love that? Um, and yet I've found uh, as a pastor and a counselor for 40 years that, that this is really a journey. This journey of transformation is a process. It's something that we do little by little by little. I wish we could have a moment. Even in our marriage conference yesterday, I hope that everybody was grabbing a hold of something. Hopefully there's a little bit of inspiration there, but we know that everybody's going to hit Monday morning and they're going to go back to work. And so if it's not for the habits that we develop in our marriages, we're not really going to change. We're not really going to be transformed. The same thing is in our individual life. It's really through the habits that we form. It's really through the disciplines. And I know people don't like that word, the word spiritual discipline. Boy, I put that on the front of a book, and you're not going to sell anything, right? I mean, we, we just don't discipline. Um, but it's really habits. It's these rhythms or habits that are transformative, that we develop and we put into our life to do over and over and over and over again that actually change us into being fully alive. So in the next few minutes, I want to look at a, a framework of understanding of how all of us deal with these kinds of things. I want to talk about nine different stories, and I'm going to have a minute or two on each one of these. Um, nine different stories that you may find yourself in. Now, if you're, if, any Enneagrammers in the room? Kind of interested in the Enneagram? So some of the titles of these you're going you're gonna to remember. Um, it's a little bit like they suggest that every story that's ever been written, every play or every TV show or every movie, basically there are seven plots. Every one of those is around one of these seven plots. You know, it's a tragedy or a comedy or, or you know, di different kind of things. It's a quest. Um, and all of us have kind of a story that we, have, that we are living out. Um, based on some of the coping strategies that we've developed. And so I want to look at these real quickly. Um, the first one we call the reformer. This is where I find myself spending most of my life. I've spent um, most of my life and career, people coming and dealing with issues in their life, and they want to develop something new. They want, some, uh, they want to restore something, find some new life, and coming out of brokenness. And, and these are kind of the highly principled people, idealistic folks in the world, uh, and yet, because of our wounds, because of our bruises, if, we, if you uh, relate to this story, uh, we all tend to fear of making a mistake. These folks like to do everything just right and don't like to make mistakes. Uh, they have a kind of a more repressed anger. They don't express it um, as outward. And their, their reformation can deteriorate into critical perfectionism, where everything has to be and there are certain disciplines that can help us move against that consistently. Um, one of those is just celebration, thankfulness. And the words that I'm learning to say, it's okay. Those are hard words for me to say. Because uh, I, like, I keep thinking things can always be better. 
um, surely we can make it better. Surely there's a way to get it really completely fixed. I'm 65 years old. I've never, I'm, I'm finding that can't, we can't, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> I've never been able to get anything completely fixed. Um, and so uh, Janice and I um, have four grown kids, and, and uh, so, you know, they're out, married, grandkids. It's a be- grand- grandparenting is a beautiful thing, by the way. Um, and so a couple of years ago, we decided we were going to do an uh, empty nest renovation of our house. And one of the things that I actually like to do is I like to do some of that work myself. Because as a pastor and a counselor, the people that I work with are never finished. People, we, none of us humans ever arrive, right? But if I remodel a bathroom, it stays there. I don't go back into the bathroom, and the tile complains to me that it doesn't like to be in this room. It wants to be in another room. And so there's something about that that's just been fun for me. And so uh, now it took us a year because I did a lot of the work myself, took a long time. And we got really close to finishing this. And I was like 97% finished. I had a little bit of punch list left. But I found myself, every time I came home, all I could think about was the 3%. If I just had time to finish this. I wasn't even enjoying, I mean, we really did a major renovation. I wasn't able to really enjoy it. And we were really happy with what was happening. But, some, but my, the challenge that I deal with in my life is I, I, I lose some joy because I'm looking, how do we fix things to where they're perfect? And so I felt the Spirit say to me, don't finish it right now. Now, at first, I knew that had to be the devil, okay? Um, this, this, is, this can't be God saying this. Um, but I really felt it was this, uh, the Spirit saying this, and I felt impressed that I was supposed to come home each night and go into a different room and just spend a few moments there and look around and be thankful. Wow, I love how those doors ended up. I love how this the floors and and just be thankful and I did this for a a long time and all of a sudden I was able to come in the room the rooms and just find joy it's a spiritual discipline now I wish I could do that one time and now I enjoy everything and you know um, but it's something that my what my story I have to do over and over and over again now God in his wonderful grace eventually said go ahead and finish it Um, and because that would have been cruel and unusual Um, so some of you might, may find yourself in that story and may find that just having moments of thankfulness and appreciation and gratitude and being able to say, it's okay. A second story is the helper. These are the people that are just, they have gifts of hospitality. They're the folks that are just always looking to help and reach out. Amazing, amazing strengths. You know, we all have strengths and then we have weak spots in our personalities. Um, where their wound can come alive is where they have a fear of being unloved. They tend to deny their own needs. And their desire to be loved deteriorates into a need to be needed. Um, they're more prone to codependency, which is, I, I'm not okay unless you're okay with me. And they don't know how to take care of themselves. They overgive oftentimes. They don't know how to say no. So I have uh, an acquaintance that I know that's working on this in her life and one of the spiritual disciplines for her is actually to have a spiritual director she needs somebody that can be speaking to her pretty consistently saying how's your schedule are you overdoing and she's learned to be able to stop 
anytime anybody asks her to do anything, she's learned to be able to stop and just go, God, is this my work to do? And it's helped her just be, be uh, more balanced and not over-care for herself, uh, others, and, and learn how to care for herself. The third one is the enthusiast. These are the folks that are, um, these are our builders and dreamers and, uh, do we have that slide? There we go. Uh, busy, productive, a lot of times ahead of organizations. They're the drivers, they're the visionaries. Um, what would we do without them? Uh, they push and drive things forward. But out of their wound, they have a fear of being deprived or trapped in pain. They fill oneself with experiences to overcome their in inner emptiness. Uh, have a desire to be happy deteriorates into frenetic escapism, a constant movement. And one of the spiritual disciplines that for them is fasting. And I also have found I have uh, one gentleman who's um, the head of a huge um, ministry organization. And, I mean, talk about an energizer bunny. It's, it's who he is. And everything he touches just, boom, just comes alive. And he has learned that he has to have uh, a Sabbath time every week that he has to lock in and he has to take time and shut things down. Um, he doesn't know how to do it very well, but he's <laughs> learning how to do it. But if he doesn't have a set time every week, he'll have gone through a month and not have taken any time off. And so that discipline of a set time for fasting uh, for him is, is key. Uh, the next one is... is um, Okay, I think we got ahead of ourselves. Do we have the, did I say the, maybe I got ahead of myself. Did we jump ahead? How about the fourth one? Can you go back a little bit? The individualists, okay. Um, these are the introspective romantics. These are our um, artists and musicians, the creatives in the world. Again, amazing personalities. Uh, we just wouldn't have the beauty and, and the art in the world without them. But they tend to have a fear of being without significance or identity. Or they feel like there's something m missing in them. They have a desire to, uh, or their desire to be oneself deteriorates into self-indulgence. Oftentimes, this personality needs an opportunity to, to be able to consistently confess in a safe place so they can recognize, am I indulging in things to try to, to satisfy or to calm this sense of that I'm not okay? I have one guy that has found the, the, the recovery ministry being very helpful for him. Something like Celebrate Recovery or something like that where, where he's just able to consistently go in and begin to look at that part of him. Uh, am I looking for things... Uh, am I looking for love in the wrong place? Am I looking for something outside to kind of satisfy this sense that I'm not really fully okay? And he doesn't really have a, an obvious addiction or something. We oftentimes think about that with Celebrate Recovery, but he just knows that it's a good rhythm, a consistent, he goes every week. He just knows it's a consistent, healthy rhythm for him. The fifth story that we might be living out of is... Um, Okay, I think, did I, get, did I get my slides in the right order? Um, okay, the investigator. Uh, these are perceptive and cerebral. Uh, these are 
brilliant researchers. They just like, they know a lot of, you know people like that? They know a lot of stuff about everything, okay? They're just studying all the time. Uh, but out of their wound, they have a fear of being useless or incompetent or incapable. And so they're kind of overachieving in that. A fear of lacking inner resources, uh, contact in the world would be bad. Or desire to be competent deteriorates into useless specialization. And what we found with this personality that um, consistent, regular service and generosity. I have a pastor that he just wants to stay in his study until the last second. He wants to, and he wants to just come right out and preach. And he said, I love pastoring. I love studying and preaching. It's the people that are bugging me. Um, and he, feel, he said, I just feel drained by them. And he has to learn how to make himself come out of his study and just few minutes before service, he's just, he just mingles with people. He knows it's the last thing he wants to do, but he knows that it's a good rhythm. It's a good habit for him. And also, these people tend to kind of hoard things a little bit. And so an active um, service, uh, some kind of generosity, um, this guy actually goes and serves in a homeless shelter consistently because he knows he needs to do that, to, to engage with the world and get him out of, get him out of his study. If we can go to the next one here, the loyalist, committed, security-focused. Um, in their wound, they have a fear of being without support or guidance. They worry about what might happen. Desire to be secure deteriorates into an over-attachment to beliefs. And so a good spiritual discipline for this personality is what we call Lectio Divina. Um, now, I, you know, my wife and I have found in our practice that a lot of people are dealing with a lot of anxiety right now. Um, I have a lot of people that I need to tell, stop watching the news. Quit it. Some people just need to fast from that because there's just too much. And they're trying to grab a hold of, of thoughts or beliefs on what's the right way to believe and so forth. And, and this, I have a person that's working in, out of this personality. And one of the things he does in Lectio Divina, if you don't know what that is, it's learning how to Read the scripture in a way where you just let it soak in you. It's not, the, it's not the words and the belief behind it. It's the letting the words touch you and soak into you. And so this particular um, section in Romans 8, he reads every morning and every night now. And with Lectio Divina, you read it like through three times and different paces. And so, so let's just take a second and do this. Okay, close your eyes just for a moment. Listen to these words. Romans 8, 35. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Listen to it again, and just let it soak in you. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? No, in all these things, we are convinced that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We are convinced that neither death nor life 
nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So he just reads this consistently, morning and night, and it's doing something in him with that anxiety. It's letting the scripture touch him. It's not just in his head. It's slowly soaking into his heart. The next one is the, the enthusiast. I think that's where I, I think I jumped ahead of that. We didn't do achiever. We didn't do achiever. Well, when I said enthusiast, I meant achiever, okay? And so, um, so back to the enthusiast. These are folks that are, um, again, busy and productive. Um, they, um, these are, our, again, energizer bunnies. These folks are looking for the next shiny coin, uh, fun, fun-loving, um, my wife is, lives in this story. Um, anytime we come back from a trip, she's thinking about the next trip. Um, and so now out of enthusiasts, out of their wound, there can be a fear of being deprived or trapped in pain, uh, fill oneself with experiences to overcome inner emptiness, desire to be happy deteriorates into frenetic escapism. And so, um, Fasting, again, here is, is very helpful. It, it also is for uh, the achiever. Uh, I, have a, I have a friend who's living in this story, and one of the disciplines he does, now he, financially, he can pretty much buy whatever he wants to buy, but, but anytime he wants something, and he's always the guy, you know these guys, that have the next gadget. I mean, the new iPhone's out, and he has it the next morning. Um, you know, the new this, the new that. And he felt impressed that he was to just, anytime he wanted something and was interested in something, he was just to stop. And he was to wait 30 days and just pray. And if at the end of 30 days it was still, he felt like it was a good thing, then he would buy it. But that discipline pushes against that desire that he has to just want the next thing. Um, and it's, a, it's, it's healthy for him in that way. The next one is the challenger powerful and aggressive. Um, these are folks that push against some of the wrongs in the world, and we, we need these people. But out of their wound, they can have a fear of being harmed or controlled, constant need for intensity and control, desire to pre- protect oneself deteriorates into constant fighting. These folks generally need accountability. Uh, Aids don't like accountability. They want to just do what they want to do. And they're usually a powerful enough personality that they can do that. I have a, a, a person who's a leader of another uh, huge organization again. And he has three of his key people that he meets with every week. And he has asked them, I want you to challenge something that, I'm, that I've done this week. He said, I hate this. But I love it. He said, every time, even though I know I'm supposed to do this, I hate it every week when I walk in there but I walk out of it loving it because it's something that helps balance me. Now, a lot of eights in the world will not do this, and I'm really impressed and really respect him for doing this. Um, But that accountability consistently pushes against um, that weak spot in him. And then the last one is the the peacemaker. Most of you are going to find yourself in a couple of these stories. This is my second part of my story. Um, Easygoing, I spend my life helping people find peace in their life and relationships, finding peace, Uh, easygoing and self-effacing. But their fear is of loss of connection, 
They have a desire to be unaffected by life. They just they can kind of go to sleep, unfortunately, on, on life. Desire to be at peace deteriorates into stubborn neglectfulness. And so one of the most helpful things that these folks can do is to have, have good, simple action steps in their life that they are consistently walking out um, and that they have some accountability for. Um, fixed hour prayer. Uh, for the last several years, I've done a thing called the daily office. I do it every morning at 8 o'clock. This is what I do. And if I don't do that, then I can get busy in my day and kind of forget what I'm doing. And I would say since I've started that, my prayer and scripture reading life has been the best in my whole, in my whole life because I have this kind of set thing that just doesn't let me um, go to sleep. Now, the reason I went over this real quick, and I know I need to be done here, um, I believe that our, in this idea of being fully alive, I believe that our greatest strength is being aware of our greatest weakness. If I can acknowledge that this is my weak spot, this is my broken place, this is where I don't reflect God real well, then we can take that to God and recognize and say, Lord, have mercy on this. And what are ways, what are rhythms or habits that I can do in my life that can help me reflect you better? This is not about perfection. It's about making progress. It's becoming, it's a little bit like, you know, we're, uh, the reflection that we have is, is a little dim. And, you know, it's, we need a little Windex bottle that just kind of helps that reflection get clearer and clearer and clearer. And so hopefully you found yourself maybe in one of these stories. You might be able to grab a hold of something that you could lean into, that you could begin. And my encouragement is just take, a next, take the next step. Whatever works best in your world and in your story. Let me pray for you. Lord, I thank you for each and every story here, each and every individual within these stories. Lord, thank you for the deep, deep abiding love that you have for each and every one of them. And Lord, wherever it is that they doubt themselves, wherever it is that they feel like that they failed, Lord, I pray that you would soak into their hearts, that they would feel your embrace, and then they know that it's in you, they were in your image that they were made. And that they know that, that you love them deeply, that you would never be ashamed or, uh, of your creation. And that the way that you see them would settle um, deeper and deeper. And as they take hold of some steps that they can take, that you would empower them to just take the next right step. And as we prepare ourselves to come to the table, listen to this prayer of Paul for each of you. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. I pray that according to the riches of, of his glory, he may grant that you may be strengthened in your inner being with power through his spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith as you are being rooted and grounded in love. I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Thank you, Pastor Brennan. In this same posture, I'm going to read and pray and lead us in a prayer of confession a little bit different than the one we've done recently. We've done this too out of the last four weeks. 
this is a different version of the same prayer. So this will take just about another 90 seconds to two minutes. But I want us to stay in this posture as I pray this over us. And then we're going to come to the table and to receive the body of Christ and the blood of Christ. Gracious God, have mercy on us. We confess that we have turned from you and given ourselves into the power of sin. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. In your compassion, would you forgive our sins, known and unknown, the things that we have done and the things we have failed to do. Turn us again toward you and uphold us by your spirit so that we may live and serve you in the newness of life through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. The Lord extends his pardon and his mercy over you. The Lord says, I forgive you. Let's stand together and exit out the left side of our rows. Come and receive the elements. Go back to our seats and we will partake together. Come to the table of the Lord. Continue your wrestling match with the plastic. <laughs> As I will, I will pray, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would descend upon us and upon these elements and make them efficacious to us, meaning that you would be present to us in these elements in a way that is mysterious and far beyond what we can ever comprehend. And we receive them as gifts of God to us for our sustenance. With the bread in your hand, on the night that he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. So let us break it together. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Church, the body of Christ is broken for you and for me. Let us take and eat. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. 
Church, this is the blood of Christ shed for you and for me and for the remission of our sins. Let us receive. Thanks be to God for these good gifts. Thank you, Pastor Brent and Pastor Janice, for your ministry to us this weekend. The Lord has used you. He has spoken through you. And we pray also that you will be marked by having been with us. Church, it has been good to be together. You are good people called out by a good God for good purposes in the world. Go in the faithful. Well, we're going to sing the doxology, actually. But then you're going to go. Then you're going to go and be the faithful presence of Jesus to all of the places that he calls us to inhabit, filled with the power of his spirit, on mission with him as his faithful people. Let us sing. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Thank you for joining us this morning. Let's go in the peace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.